0: I love Christmas. Amen. Christmas is my favorite time of year. There's so many things I love about it. I love the the gospel, the story, the 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 birth of Christ and the miracle that that is. Now I know Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. <laughs> you know I have my opinion when he was born. Uh, I think he was born in the during the Feast of Tabernacle. Personally, it's an opinion. Scripture says that uh, in John he tabernacled among us. You know, he put on flesh and I want to talk to you about that today, but I need some help. So I'm going to pray because I don't, it's not in me to deliver to you what I believe is even, uh, it's not in me to deliver today what I, I want to deliver to you, what I want God to speak to us. And so I really need help and, um, So as a donkey, I'm I'm asking for the Lord to come and ride on me. (laughs) So, Lord, come and help us. Speak to us. We're wanting to hear from you. And, uh, Lord, I'm asking that you would just uh, reveal your son today in a great way. Emmanuel, God is with us. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I got two things I want to say to you today. And I, these were the two things I really felt like the Lord uh, wanted me to talk about. Now, they kind of preluded to it with the, uh, with the Emmanuel, God is with us. But the two things that I feel like the Lord wants to say to us today is that He loves us and that He is with us. And I want to talk about those two points and how we can see that through Christmas. Um. If you got your Bible, turn over to 1 John. We're gonna, I want to read a lot of scripture today. So I'm really going to try to get after this so that we can get through it. But I want to read a lot of scripture. All right. So 1 John chapter 4. Um, how to do this? Let's see. Let's start. I'm going to read 1 John 4 through 21. 1 John 4 7 through 21. Um, But let's start off in verse 19, and then I'm going to backtrack and read it again. So in verse 19, it says, We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. You know, Matthew 10.8 says, Freely you have received, freely give. You know, you can't give away something you don't have. It's impossible. How can I give you $100 if I don't have it? We have to receive before we can give. Josh did a great message, I think it was last year, uh, on that that oh, yeah. Christmas was all about receiving. And he touched on this. And it seems counterintuitive. It seems, you know, that political spirit, that, that religious spirit that says... Oh, no, it's about what, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You can't give if you don't receive. How can you? We have to receive first, and then out of the abundance of the gift that we receive, we're able to give out. And that's the amazing thing about God's love. Until you receive it, how do you give it away? And I want to tell you guys today that Jesus loves you. And he has a revelation that he wants to reveal to us, to reveal to us how much he loves you. It is imperative. We are broken, broken, broken people, every single one of us. Not one of you in here is broken in, in so many ways. But what happens is when we begin to get a revelation of God's love, revelation, it's the revelation. It's not just the A mental assentment, I give mental agreement to that God loves me, but I have no reality of it in my heart. Those little subtle voices that I act upon every day that say I'm not loved, really what the undercurrent of my heart's belief doesn't overcome that mental assentment that we give that God loves us. Because if I asked any one of you, does God love you? Everybody would say, yeah, God loves me. But do you believe it? And I would say that the majority of us, all of us, don't believe it to the degree that it's true. But the degree that we believe it is the degree that it can just have power in our life. We must get a revelation. You know, Peter, Jesus said that to Peter. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The revelation that Peter had came from the Father. Paul said the same thing. He said, The gospel I preached to you, I did not receive it from man, neither was it taught to me man, by man, but I received it as a revelation. Revelation in our life is key to unlocking the mysteries in the kingdom and having us unlocked and healed. It's not by believing things in our head, it's by getting revelation that affects our heart and it gets down deep inside of us to where it's no longer a mental agreement, but it's become a part of who we are. It's what we believe to our very core. Does that make sense? And when we get an understanding of God's love for us, it begins to heal us, it begins to unlock us, it begins to set us free, and it allows us to live in a way that we wouldn't live. It gives us confidence that we wouldn't have. There's a confidence that we people that are walking in the love of God, that they have, that's so much greater than people that are walking around like defeated. We're not defeated people, shouldn't be, because the greatest love ever displayed was displayed for each of you, every single one of you. He loves you, Sarah. God loves loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Grace, He loves you. <laughs> he loves us. Let's look at how he loves us. Now I'm going to I'm going to read just read a little bit, then I'm going to back up and, and look at some things. Verse seven of chapter four. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. See, people that know God love. It's not knowing God like I know God, I know about God. It's when you have an intimate knowing. It's the same Greek word that it used when it says Mary never knew a man. It's a that knew that knowing is an intimate knowing. It's the same thing in Ephesians, what is it, Ephesians 3, I think it is, or Ephesians 2, where it says that I might know the love of God that surpasses mere knowledge, that I might know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. It's not a head thing. It's a knowing intimately. You know, I've been with my wife 20, 30 years in April. It'll be 30 years that we've been together, 25 married. I know her. We know each other. We have an experienced life together. There's things about her that I just know are true and vice versa. The good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> because that's what marriage does. You get to know one another. And as we know God who is love, it is impossible to know the, someone who doesn't just have love. He is love. God is love. So when we get to know him and know his love, It's going to change us so that we are walking vessels of love. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested. Oh, I love that. By this, God revealed. He manifested. It manifested to where it can be seen in us that God has so... By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. That's how His love was revealed, manifested, by Him sending His Son into the world. That's the greatest picture of love that we have ever seen. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let me stop there. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. There is a works mentality that's inside of everyone's flesh. It's a a result of the fall that tries to earn stuff. And, you know, it, and, it, and it works like this. You go through the scripture and you read Jesus, where Jesus said, if you love me, you keep your commandments, and then you start striving. Oh, my God, I got to love Jesus so I can show that I, I got to keep all these commandments so that I can show him that I love him. You see? It's just, it's just in us. It's ingrained in us. It's, a, it's that the result of the knowledge of good and evil that calls man to look at himself he saw his own nakedness. His eyes got off God. It turned on him. Fear entered in. And he started trying to take fig leaves and cover his own nakedness. It was man's attempt to try to do something to access God. And so we read a scripture like that. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And we think, oh, I got I to do all this stuff. But what God's saying And what it says clearly in verse 10, in this is love, not that we loved God. It doesn't start with our love. It doesn't start with our ability to love God. It doesn't start with that at all. But that He loved us. It's what Josh was talking about a year ago. It's receiving His love that enables us to love Him. You will love God in a greater depth When you allow yourself to be loved by Him and you begin to believe that you're loved by Him, when you begin to believe it, it's a reciprocal thing. When you're loved by somebody, you just start to love. How many people just cannot stand someone who's crazy about you, that treats you nice all the time, that's always doing stuff for you, they just care about you in every way? Is it our natural response to dislike that? I mean, it's like love is reciprocated. Jesus even said to the Gentiles, you know, even the Gentiles love those that love them. <laughs> you know. So when we get a revelation of God's love, it just brings out in our love for Him. So it's not that we love God, but God loved us. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. We have come to know and have believed the love of God which God had for us. We have come, listen to that. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. We're supposed to be abiding in this love. I, I'm going to confess today, because the Bible says confess your sins one to another. I do this not that often. I want to do it more. I want to abide. You know what abide means? S- to stay, to live, to be. If I'm a Jesus said abide in me and let my words abide in you. I don't think we do that very well. We st- to abide is to stay there. You're not you're not leaving this place of love in him. There needs to be a place for us where we are constantly dwelling in his love, where We're so consumed with his love for us that everywhere we go, it's affected us. You ever wonder why John, when he would write his incredible gospel, he said, the one that Jesus loved? Was he trying to set himself up higher than all the other disciples? I don't think so. I think he was revealing, I think the overflow of his heart was coming out. Because all he could think about is, "Man, I'm a disciple that Jesus loves. He loves me." See, it was his gospel, and the core of his gospel is that I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. He loved John so incredible that all John could think about is, "I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. I'm the disciple that Jesus loves." If you think about it, say that out loud. Say, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. You do that enough, you'll get drunk. <laughs> because God's love is intoxicating. And when it becomes to get all over you, it will bring a joy. I am the disciple that Jesus loves. When the Spirit comes and He breathes on that, it's intoxicating. When I got baptized in the Holy Spirit as a 10-year-old and the Spirit of God knocked me to the ground long before it was uh, uh, cool, if you will, in the churches. There, this was pre-catcher days. This was 1984. And it, I laid on the concrete floor crying my eyes out. Could not stop crying. Like I mean, just bawling like a baby. And you got to understand, this day that this happened, Maybe thirty minutes before this, I was in the bushes crying my eyes out because I didn't want anybody to see me cry. Because I was the cool kid at church, I thought. And I didn't want my peers to see me crying, but I was begging God to give me a to give a altar call for the baptism of the Holy Spirit because I didn't want people I didn't want to go down front when he was giving an altar call for salvation because I didn't want anybody to think I wasn't saved. <laughs> a little self-focused little kid, you know. And so I went outside and was just crying in the bushes because I was so preoccupied with me, with me, 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 me. I was self-focused. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I'm in there crying, but yet I, had a, I wanted God. And, I'm, you know, and I stayed in the bushes until I knew all my tears were dried up because I was asking God, for, but what I was praying and asking was for an altar call, to go, for them to give an altar call for people who won't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I grew up Baptist. This was in a Pentecostal church, just to give you some, a backdrop. Um, I went in, back in, and sure enough, they gave an altar call for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I went down front, and this guy came and touched my head and kept going. And when he touched my head, the power of God knocked me to the floor. And I laid there, now totally unconcerned, unaware of myself at all. I didn't care what people thought. I didn't even have a thought of what people thought. All I knew was that I felt the, the tangible love of God so intensely, so strong, that all I could do was cry. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And I don't know how long I laid there, but I laid there a while, just undone because God loved me. I was intoxicated. I'm so thankful that for that experience because it saw me through my teenage years when I lost track of that. But there was many times the devil whispered in my ear that God wasn't even real. And I would always consider what he was saying, unfortunately. and But I could never get past the experience that I had at that church. And I could never... I I rejected it every time. Even though I was struggling, I rejected that thought because I had encountered the love of God that I could not dismiss. I had an experience that beats an argument. So God's love. Where was I at? What verse was I on? Anybody remember? 16. For we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected within us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. See, we don't have to, when we're in the Lord, we're in him, we're abiding his love, we're partaking of his fruit, we don't have to shrink back at the day of judgment. We know we're forgiven. Um, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. And the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. What an amazing book. 1 John is. I love that book. I love everything that John does, the gospel of John, his letters to the churches, so amazing. So how has God loved us? How does he reveal his love to us? Well, in verse 10, it says he sent his son. Was well, John 3, 16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm going to talk about that in a minute a little bit more. We have to but ab- learn to abide in his love. All right, so let's talk about God sending his son. <clears throat> this is just one of those things that you think about, and I don't know that there's an answer that we can come up with outside of Revelation, but I wonder, was Jesus' sacrifice at the cross his greatest sacrifice? I don't know if it was was the the cross where He's hanging there, beaten, broken, and bruised with all the sin of all the world. Um, He didn't just just take our sin. The Scripture says He became our sin. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He literally became sin on the cross. God the Father left Him while He was hanging there because He became sin for our, on our behalf, I can, that certainly could be argued as the greatest sacrifice Jesus had made, and I couldn't say, no, that's not. But maybe just as equally, or at least a a close second, maybe even first, I don't know. It's a tough one. But think about this sacrifice In John 17, 5, Jesus said, Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Y'all catch that? Glorify me together with the glory that you had before the world was. See, let us make man in our own image. See, God, when He created man, that was Jesus right there with the Father. Scripture says all things were made by Him, for Him, and through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Jesus created the earth and everything in it. It wasn't Jesus as we know Him in the flesh, but it was the Son, His Spirit, His essence, who He was, existed with the Father before time began, and He created all this stuff that we see. He had a glory that we can't comprehend And then to think about this, he stepped out of that. He stepped out of it. If you turn over to Philippians 2, just to give you scriptural reference for this. I love this passage. Uh, I have battled so much selfish ambition as a young man that I I purposely memorized this to kind of help help me battle against this evil that's you know that that I would deal with and it says um Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish ambition or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. All that, he sums up right here. Having this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, see, he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped at. You know, he was so secure in who he was, he wasn't, you know, you grasp at things that you think you're not going to be able to get. You know, somebody that knows that he's got all the provision in the world and he never has a need, a lot of times that frees us up to give. Because we're not worried if this is our last dollar. The most giving people are the people that are secure in their provision. When you're scared about provision, you don't give out. Well, in the same way, when we want something, it's like kids. You know, when they're scared their mom or dad's not going to do nothing, they don't really ask. They start grasping at things. They go to the cookie jar and try to take that cookie because they're scared they're not going to get it otherwise. That's grasping. See, we don't have to be grasping, little kids. We know our God Father wants to give us good things. When we're grasping at it, it shows a spirit of poverty that's taken over us where we don't realize the depth that God has for us. And Jesus, in this passage, he did not regard regard equality with God something to be grasped at, why he was secure in it. He was secure in his deity. He didn't grasp at it. But here's what he did. Verse 7. But emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God in Jesus... Jesus existed as God in the glory that was with him from the beginning, and he emptied himself to become a man. Not just to become a man, but to become a man in zero AD. (laughs) Y'all realize what that means? I mean, we live in a very modern world today. I don't know how many of you went to the bathroom and used toilet paper today, but don't you appreciate that TP? We, we learned from COVID, TP is very valuable, more so than we realized. What did I say earlier? You don't know what you got until it's gone. <laughs> There's some things that we enjoy in our modern society that when it's gone, we would rethink. I mean, how valuable is a paper towel? How valuable is to be able to turn the sink on and wash your hands at your sink or do your dishes there's so many conveniences that we have today that allow us to live like kings of uh, far better than kings years ago. Jesus came in a time in history when there were no paper towels, there were no sanitation, there was no running water, there were no bathrooms as we know it today. He came in squalor. Is that the right squalor? I'm 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 good at saying the wrong word. He, he came in a time that was gross. There was no deodorant. Do you realize that? No ant, arm and hammer deodorant. To, thank God for deodorant. I mean, you know what I mean? Thank God for deodorant. He didn't come during that time period. He didn't come when they, he could use toilet paper. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be gross, but I'm trying to get you to understand this was not a sanitary, time from our perspective, based on what we've experienced today, he came in a time that was lowly and dirty and disgusting and not worthy of who he was. So he left glory of glory to enter into a woman, to, be, to live, inside, to grow inside of a woman. The God that created the very woman, he now enters into her womb. And what did he do? He was born of a virgin. You know what he did? He put on flesh. The God that created flesh put it on to never take it off again. In Isaiah 7, you don't have to turn there because I'm going to go to Matthew 1, which repeats it. Um, what a sacrifice Jesus made! What a sacrifice Jesus made in becoming a man, Matthew one we see the the birth of Jesus, and Matthew, in telling the story, he mentions the a prophecy from isaiah seven fourteen He mentions it and helps interpret it to us because he knows Hebrew. Uh, And in verse 23 it says, behold the virgin, well let me back up, verse 22, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated meaning, means God with us. I want to talk, the second half, the first half is God loves us. He showed His love for us by sending His Son for us. He showed His love for us by becoming a man. But He also showed us that it, He is with us. God, who is God, left the deity and came among us to be a brother. He, didn't ju- he put on this flesh forever. God is now with us. And let me t- I want to talk about how He's with us. He, let's turn over to Hebrews Hebrews 2, start in verse, um, let's start in verse 14. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. See, he put it on. He shared in our flesh and blood. I mean, that right there, that's, that, I mean, I can't get past that. I mean, do you all realize what that means? Stinky flesh and blood, stinky bo. All the issues that men deal with and women deal with, he put it on. He became a man. That's what a sacrifice, mind mind mind-boggling. And he himself, like us, also partook of the same. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil and might free those who through the fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For surely He does not give help to angels, but He gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, He had to be made like His brethren in all things, so that He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since He Himself was tempted in that which He has suffered he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. How is Christ be, how is it God is with us? How did he reveal that? You ever, you ever go through something very difficult and all of a sudden someone shows up that didn't have to to help you do it, to do it with you? What great appreciation you have for the moral support and the fact that someone else has partook of the very thing you're, you're, you're struggling with? What's the purpose of, like, when a woman's given birth, why do they have, uh, what do you call them, midwives and uh, doulas and they're their coaches? There's someone there that's there going through it with them. Christ didn't just say, hey, here's how you do it. He came and he showed us how you do it. He didn't just say, guys, do this, 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 and this. He came and he did it. He did it. He walked it out. He did it perfectly and faithfully. He put on our flesh and blood. He he tasted of what we went through. So that... Therefore, he has had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. You see, I've said this before, man got us in this mess. Adam and Eve, they got us in this mess. They were the ones, as men, disobeyed, ate the fruit, And only a man could get us out of this mess. Only a man. Man got us in trouble, man has to get us out. The heavens are the heavens of the Lord. The earth he has given to the sons of men. Men had authority in the earth. God never gave authority to Satan. Man did that when we obeyed him. But Jesus came as the second Adam, and that's why it's referred to him. That's why he referred to himself over and over again as the son of man. His authority in the earth was based on his humanity, not his deity. He never did one thing as deity. Philippians 2 said he emptied himself of his deity. He emptied it. Was he God? Yes. But he never did anything as God. He emptied himself of his deity. And he said, of my own self, I can do nothing. When Jesus walked the earth with the flesh and blood on that he put on, he said, of my own self, I can do nothing. He was totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit working through his life so that he didn't just tell us what to do, he came and showed us how to do it. Jesus is not just saying, get this done. He's coming beside us and he's walking this out with us to show us the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. He he came and did this thing for us. He walked out this life. He did this thing so that we can follow him because he is the way. Does that make sense? I appreciate that about him. He didn't just say, do this. Get all this stuff done. You know, he he wrote all this law that no man was keeping. He put all this stuff out there. Was the law perfect? Yes. Paul made that clear. The law wasn't the problem. The problem was sin in the flesh. We couldn't keep it. It wasn't that this wasn't God's standard. It was that we couldn't keep the standard. So what did Jesus do? He put on flesh. And he fulfilled it. He did it. You can't bear it, so I'll bear it for you. Man, what a gift. What a gift Christ is to us. Go over to verse... Let's keep going. We're going to go on to... um... Actually, uh, let's see. I guess it's verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with the confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. I love that verse. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize sympathize, sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. He put it on. He walked it out. Emmanuel, God is with us. He's not just with us as a concept. He became with us by what he did. He left being deity. He put on flesh. He walked among us. He did what we couldn't do. He obeyed the Father in everything. And He went to the cross to die for our sins, as our sin, so that if anybody would have put faith in Him, they can be born again and have God's Spirit come inside their spirit, and they would be born from above now so that we can be called children of God. This was the Christ that was born from a virgin, putting on flesh, and did all this for us. And I just, wanna, I just wanted to recap a little bit about what he did. And I, I mean, I'm not doing it justice. I can't give it justice, but I can try. He is amazing. He is wonderful. He, is, he deserves all honor and all glory and all power. What He did for us is beyond words. He is worthy of it all. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. But as many as received them, He gave them the right to become children of God. He is the revelation of God to man. Hebrews 1 makes that clear. He is God's revelation to us. He told the disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He's God's gift to us. He is the gift. There's no greater gift that we have than Him. And so, Lord, we just love you this morning. Lord, we praise you this morning. Thank you. for what you've done for us. Thank you for leaving heaven, leaving your comfortable home. Lord, that was comfortable. You left heaven to walk around in this dirty, nasty earth to redeem it, to restore it to the glory that it once had. And, Lord, we just, we're, just, we're thankful this morning. We thank you, Lord, for it. Thank you that you weren't just a God in heaven that spoke what we need to do, but you were Emmanuel, the God who came down and put on flesh and walked with us, got, us in, got into the pit with us. We dug ourselves in a pit. He got in the pit with us and helped us dig our way out. He dug his, he dug his way out and pulled us up out. And we love you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you and we thank you. I want to love him with all my heart, all my soul, and my strength. I want to. And I asked for that as a gift from him because I realize of my own self I can't do that. But one thing I know is as I partake of the fruit of his love and I look back at what he did for me, does the scripture not say if he gave us Christ, will he not surely give us all things? If he gave us the Lord Jesus, if he did all this for us, if he left heaven and became a man and, and died on the cross and he took the stripes and the scourging and, he, and the nails and all of that and he went to hell and defeated Satan and rose again from the grave, if he did all that, if God so loved the world that he gave us that, how much more will he not give us all things? When we have an understanding, a revelation of what he did, it should give us faith and hope for what he will do for us now. We should have confidence in a way that no people on the earth have confidence because no God has demonstrated his love in this way that he would put on flesh and come and live among us and take our, pay our price.
1: Yeah, you know, as uh, Travis was speaking, I, I kind of feel like, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily anybody here, maybe online. Are we online today? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, as Travis was speaking, that reality that Jesus was born in flesh so that we could be born as spirit, it's like an awesome gift, you know what I mean? If he had never come as a man born of flesh, we would never be born again, and that what you were saying about being born again, you were, you were translating right, that literally means to be born from above, born in heaven. So we, we are given this gift of being born again because he was born of flesh. And, uh, and I feel like there, there might be somebody either watching or even here that you've never actually made the decision to follow after the Lord, to give your heart to him. He, God so loved the world, he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait to leave heaven and to become a man, because he was after us. He was after you. So if that's you this morning, I'm encouraging you. Call out to him. We, have, we said before, today is the day of salvation. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, cry out to him today. And if you've walked away from him, if you're not walking with him now, call out to him and rededicate your heart and your life to him this morning.